American Sanders, wood floor expert since 1903 and worldwide leader in the design and production of Sanders, Edgers, and dust containment for the pro contractor. Our timber guard floor coatings for commercial, residential, and sport floors all feature AMP antimicrobial protection on the floor surface. Listen up, contractors. We'll come to you for an on-site demo of any machine or product. Just reach out online at americansanders.com or call us at 800-367-3550. Hi, this is Michael Martin, President and CEO of the National Wood Flooring Association. You're listening to the Real Wood, Real Answers podcast. And with me today is, again, Chris Zizza, President of CNR Flooring in Boston. Chris, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Good. Can't, can't complain at all, actually, although I am... You know, we always talk about, you know, what do you do when you own the company? And the answer is always going to be from me. You do everything. So today I'm delivering 1,400 feet of uh, Zenon hardwood floor up to Vermont. And I got a truck that I just loaded by myself and I'll be unloading it by myself when I get up there. So wow. uh, I'm a little winded and I got my workout in. But nobody wants to be around you? You know what? It, it, it's it's more. I'm happy we're so busy that everyone else is in the field doing their thing, and we don't have an extra guy to go and drop fourteen hundred feet in a delivery. And uh, when that happens, if you're a good owner, you just get in the truck, you shut up, and you go do it because that's what moves the the puzzle pieces around the board. And that's what I'm doing today. Excellent. So let's and, let's talk a tomorrow. little bit about that. I mean, obviously, you know, COVID has had an effect on your business that's a very positive right now. What do you think long-term, like for the future? Do you think these this changes here for a while? Or what, do, what are your thoughts on the future? I mean, it's really kind of hard to predict with all the unknowns out there, but um, what do you feel in your gut? Yeah, you know what? One of the biggest unknowns being, you know, we've got an election right around the corner, and I won't, I won't even pretend to offer my two cents on that. I'll keep that to myself. But it's going to have an effect on the economy, which, whichever way the country votes. It'll be interesting. I don't think I'm going to try to plan for my 2021. I have some ideas, but I don't think I'm going to plan for it until, you know, after the election and we know what the general direction of everything is going to be, because I think it's going to be an important thing to consider. Couple that thought process with COVID. You know, you heard you heard us talk about it a couple of weeks ago and almost six months ago. Um, when we were talking about bringing guys on six months ago and my staff was against it and I said, we're doing it anyway. And we did it. And then a couple of weeks ago, we talked about, thank God we did it. Well, you know, when we, when we onboard somebody at CNR, first we'll bring him in for a test period. We pay him as a subcontractor, make sure he's going to make the team. And then if he's going to make the team, we, you know, induce him into full payroll. And you know, that, that onboarding can be anywhere from four to eight weeks. And so this, the, the new guy, his name's Fernando. We put him on payroll last week. So we expect him to be a very permanent player here in the company. And we're now we're looking for another one. So I am planning that it's going to keep going. And I am planning to keep staffing up. How far are you booked out right now? I'd say we're, we're solid hard for three to three and a half weeks. Uh, but please don't forget, I got 37 guys, so our volume is heavy. So for me to be, you know, two weeks out feels good. Three weeks out, we're jamming because nobody gives you three weeks notice. Nobody gives you a month's notice. And the ones that give us a month's notice are never ready in a month when the month comes around. <laughs> so we're always juggling. Now, having said we're booked out three, three and a half weeks, We've got stuff in the pipeline that we know is six weeks away, 
because we're having to order materials that we know take eight weeks to get. So, you know, I put a quote together today for 6,600 feet and that job's not going to happen until first quarter. So we've got the big quotes in the pipeline, which make me think first quarter is going to look good. We've got the hard dates in the book, which make my guys happy because they're going to finish the year super strong. Not one of my employees year to date is behind last year. Even though CNR sales year to date are behind, these guys have made more money. They've worked, you know, more jobs. They've got more done. They're happy. My guys are psyched uh, and they're tired. So, and I'm tired, but, um, but it's a good tired, you know? So what we're going to try to do, still going to try to bring on one more guy and still going to plan push for sales. We're running ads in magazines and uh, which also have a digital impact. So we're seeing results of that. We're still doing our find a frame program, which we've talked to talked about over past podcasts and my salesman, Chris is having good success as well. So all things COVID the pedals down. Now, what do you do if, you know, the bottom falls out? Well, you respond the same way you did when COVID hit. I mean, everybody was running full throttle and the bottom did fall out. So you just do it again. And, and that's, that's our plan. Let's, uh, let's, think, um, let's go back yeah. to, to pre-COVID. You know, we, everybody's been through so much in the last few months, you know, whether that's an illness or whether it's employees out or whatever that looks like. What, what do you feel through this period has come out as a permanent change and what's really the same? Interesting question. You know, what, what's a permanent change due to COVID? You know, well, you and Michael, you and I had a talk the other day. We were talking about how much people are doing digitally. And uh, I think that's a, a bit of a result of COVID right now. People are doing more shopping online. And I always said pre-COVID, um, even, you know, three years ago, which I get was pre-COVID, but let's just say three years ago, I used to sit in a class and teach some of this stuff about marketing. And I would say my customer is not buying online. Right. Okay. My customer is 40 to 60 high end, either an upgrade home or a really high end empty nester home. And they're spending a lot of money. Well, even those customers that were not buying online then are buying online now. Or let me rephrase. I don't think they're buying online, but I think they're finding me online. Right. And they're shop they're shopping online. They're getting their ideas online. And I didn't have I didn't put a lot of stock in that before. But it's happening now. And we're sending more pictures of stuff. Emails are going back and forth over this is the look I'm looking for. And then we go in the lab, we create the look and we bring it to the house. And sometimes it's a drop off and sometimes it's a meeting. So that those are changes, Mike, that I don't think are going to go away because I, I also think people like the convenience of it. Well, don't, doesn't it actually work better to some degree? You know, you know, for you guys out there that never did samples and maybe you're doing more of them now, are you finding that you're getting the answers quicker? And you're able to adjust your price based on what the client wants, because now they told you what they want based on what they're pointing at, instead of you think you know what they want, or they think you understood what they said. So it's getting a little cleaner in the estimating phase. And I, I'll, I'll be honest, I enjoy that. Plus, we're good at it. So, 
you know, we're good at samples and, and that makes us look good. And, you know, sometimes the other guy drops the ball or he doesn't get to you with the, with the sample. Um, you know, that helps us secure the job. I, I had a very large job two days ago that I waited. The guy said, when can you give me the quote? And I said, in two hours. And then it turned out to be a specific brand that they wanted. And I had to ask for that. Well, the guy said, yeah, I'll get you the quote. And he emailed the person who's supposed to give me the quote. And the person who was supposed to give me the quote only gave me the description of their product. So then I had to email her twice asking for the price. And it took eight days. Wow. But I made, I, yeah, but listen to this. I made sure I told my customer that I wasn't getting the numbers yet. And by the fifth day, he was like, give me a price for a competitive product as well. Well, I gave him that that day. And then three days later, I gave him the actual product that they asked for. And now, unfortunately for that other company, which we're talking about material brand, we're not talking about two contractors bidding against each other. They let another brand on the table because they didn't want to give the number up quick enough. Well, that kind of leads into another question that we, we, we had here, which were, you know, are there still people, are there things people are doing today that, that they were, they've always kind of done that is really hurting their business. So there's a great example of that. Yeah. That's one of them, you know, not getting back to your customer or steering your customer, you know, you hold back some info on a product because you want them to pick another product. You know, that's just, that's a silly practice. Give the customer all transparency that you can, and um, you're going to look good. You're going to look professional and help them make the decision because you're going to get confident with each other together, which gives you the job. So on the bidding world, that's some advice I have. In the real world of doing hardwood floors, frankly, I don't understand why anybody is pushing a big machine with a sawdust bag attached to it. I just don't understand. That is, I hesitate and I don't want to be insulting to anybody, so I apologize. Um, but I feel like that's archaic. Uh, at the very least, I feel like entry level to floor sanding today is you're attached to some kind of vacuum that might not be dustless, but it's less dust. If you're pushing a bag still, I'm afraid there are people in your market that offer a better product than you do. And you could lose a job for that reason. So I encourage you, step up your game on dust collection as best you can. I realize everybody has different wallets. Personally, I think everybody should just be full evacuation dustless. Truck-mounted systems and get the dust out of the house, that's the way to go. Um, but I know everyone's not going to do it. And fortunately, for the guys in my market that aren't doing it, hey, thank you. You're making me look better. Um, but it, that part's real, Mike. Technology has changed, and let's put Dustless on the table, uh, you know, on the table, and leave it alone for a second. Talk about some of the other stuff that's out there. Um, you know, I know I'm pretty sure everybody's using compressors now when you're installing. But when I started, it was power nailers and porta cable nailers with no, no gas, you know, no mm-hmm. compression. And, you know, you walked around with Popeye arms and, you know, it's true. But now we, you, we've we got, you know, chop saws. Wrap your head around this. When I, this is, I hate the, the phrase, but when I started in the game, 
But seriously, when I started in the game, our toolbox was made out of wood. It was also a bench. All the tools went inside the, the, what you carried, and your tools were a handsaw, a coping saw, and a circular saw. Your power tool was a seven and a quarter inch circular saw, and you closed out by hand with cut nails. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It's 35 years ago. You want to talk archaic. That, those were early year beginnings. But nowadays, my guys show up to the truck. It's a chop saw. It's a jigsaw. It's it's a radial arm saw, depending on what you're doing. Um, you've got a table saw. You've got, you know, um, track saws for cutting out borders. There's so much technology. Thank you, Festool, by the way. They did a great job. Um, there's so much technology that we can use that allows two things, guys. One, your work is better. And two, more importantly, your body lasts longer. It was harder when I started. It still sucks carrying all the tools in and working with everything all over the place. But but some of the tools really make life easier. And you should embrace that as a craftsman uh, to give your customer a better job and give your body a break. That's a great point. It's true, though. It, I mean, it really is. You you could be an installer. If you had $400, you could buy all the tools you needed and you were in business. Um, now, I, I probably imagine it's it's upwards somewhere between 3500 and five grand to outfit a proper installation team with lasers and everything, you know? Um, but those are the things you have to consider, Mike. What's going to make you better than your competitor other than the fact that you're really good at Instagram? Right. Well, that brings up a good question. One of the things I was thinking about after what you said earlier, a lot of guys are out there using, you know, Facebook as their uh, electronic presence on the internet. What do you do to stay in front of the consumers that are really online today looking for the solutions and looking for the products that they're going to buy? How do you recommend staying in front of those people? Well, I, I, I like Facebook, but that probably doesn't surprise people because I'm 54, you know, soon to be 55 years old. So I guess I fit the Facebook demographic and I'm not so much a, a Twitter, Instagram guy. Um, I imagine I'm going to have to learn how to do that. But and and I I know I'm behind on that and I'd like to work on it. But right now I don't have time. But my advice in your online presence, other, you know, your website and everything else, try to get your personality in there, too. I don't think you should just show this is the work we did today and look how great we are or this is only the complicated one. I, I kind of feel like I use Facebook to tell people who I am. And a little bit about my personality and our company and things we might encounter and kind of give a personality to your company or to your people so that when people read up on you, they know what they're seeing. Um, not everybody knows me on Facebook because I don't use my real name. Um, my real name is Christopher Gerald Zizza, but on Facebook, I'm Christopher Gerald. I left out the Zizza. Uh, and that's because as a parent, I was ghosting my daughters when they were younger. I wanted to make sure they were safe, <laughs> you know, and here's the problem. It's now 20 years later, they're grown up and safe and I'm still Christopher Gerald and people think I'm hiding. Uh, it's been amusing with some of the people I went to high school with. Uh, but people that do know me go on and I see people in the industry go on and they like stuff that involves I, I don't want to sound corny, but my feelings or my thoughts and, and that lets people know who you are. 
So maybe I got off on a rant there about personalities, but I think it's important that you let your clientele and the general public understand who they're hiring. Because again, you've heard me say it, you're working in somebody's home and that, my friends, is intimate. Very true. People also like to do business with people they like. Exactly. I've gone on, people want jobs and I've gone on their Facebook and I've gone, oh yeah, no, this guy's not getting the job. So you also got to be careful about that. Right. Uh, and, and you know what? Uh, we mentioned, you know, the fact that we got an election next week. Let me say this in no favor. I, I thank my wife for this because this is her saying she's in real estate, by the way. She says she'll never you'll never hear her tell you her opinion. And you're not going to hear me tell you mine either. And you shouldn't be putting your opinion out there to your clients. And here's why. No matter what side you pick. No matter what party, no matter what side of an argument, if you put it out there in the general public, 50% of the people might agree with you and 50% of the people might disagree with you. But no matter how you slice it, half your customers now don't agree with you. And that never helps you in a sale. So you should keep all those opinions to yourself if, you, if you're going to sell out in the general world. You know, another point to this, Mike, is, you know, I keep mentioning politics, but the, the truth is it, it's any side of any argument that might be out there in the current events or, you know, hell, religion's always out there. And then he throws in the word hell. Excuse me. But uh, good Catholic boy, you know, you know I always yeah, I was an altar boy for five years. Uh, I told I always tell people, you know, when I meet them for the first time, I go, what do you guys want to talk about, religion or politics? Because that's all I ever talk about. And I get a laugh. And then it sets the pace for this. I don't want to talk about those things. And so the closing point on that, keep your personal views as general as you can if, you're, if you want to get a deal done. Because a lot of people in today's economic world base their decisions on your opinions. And if they don't agree with your opinion, you might not get the deal. And let's be honest. Do you really care if you agree on a specific point? Other than the color of the floor, the quality, and when you're going to get paid, let's be honest. Service the job, get his, you know, charge the right price, get your check, and move on to the next job. Be a professional. So, Chris, we're hearing a lot out there about builder-supplied jobs or owner-supplied jobs. Um, what's your feeling about labor-only situations? I don't like them. <laughs> uh, you know what? I bet everyone just chuggled and said, yeah, they don't like them either. But so what you're talking about specifically and guys out there, your estimators and your owners, we're talking about a labor only job versus a supply and install project. And there needs I had a talk with um, Matt Bruno out of Palermo Flooring in Long Island about this a few weeks ago. And he it turned out his builder bought the wood. And then he said, well, now I got to change my labor number. And I said to him, Matt, you're absolutely right. I say that all the time. So here are my feelings, and this is what I think people need to think about out there. I'm not going to tell someone, raise your prices, charge more. You know, That's not for us to decide out there. Um, what I am going to tell you is about your exposure when you're on a job. What does exposure mean? It means that Somebody's going to supply the wood, whether it's you or the builder or the homeowner. They're going to have a cost associated with that. If you're supplying the wood, you have a cost associated with that, and you should carry a profit margin in there so that you're covered 
that's that's just general business practice. If you don't supply the wood, okay, does that mean you shouldn't carry any money in there pertaining to the material side of a project? And this is where I want to explain exposure. If you do something wrong on the project, you're going to have to replace that floor. And if it's a really expensive floor, which is when you usually find owners and homeowners trying to save money and buy it themselves, you got a $50,000 floor, and I'm talking just for the material, you can't go and put that in for X amount of dollars um, because you understand your labor costs. You have to understand your exposure, that if something goes wrong or you make some mistakes cutting the wood and you have to go buy more of it, you might not be prepared to cover that cost. So on, don't be afraid of labor-only jobs, but cover yourself for if something goes wrong. Carry a little something extra. Don't be crazy on, on how much you should carry because be honest about it. You don't have as much exposed cash on the front end of this. So you're not going to make the same amount of money, but you're going to make something. So carry for that. When you have a supply and install, you are outlaying some money. So carry for that. And and that's the way I do it. Does that make sense to you, Michael? Yeah, it makes total sense. Thank you for sharing your uh, years of knowledge on that one. Well, it's important because there'll be that time where where you say, well, I didn't supply the wood, so we need 300 more feet, go get it. And the homeowner says, well, you're the one that messed the job up, so you go get it. Or what about when the homeowner doesn't buy enough wood and then has to pay extra money for extra shipping because he didn't buy it from a local supplier, he bought it online. That's an opportunity for you guys to make those discussions about, this is why you should have let me in, uh, supply and install. I always prefer that we supply and install, but I won't run away from a labor-only job. So thinking back over the last 35 years, what do you, what do you think you know, what's the one thing you would tell for somebody for tomorrow? So we've talked a little bit about today. We've talked about yesterday. If we're talking about tomorrow, we're talking about a young guy who needs some advice, who's out there, uh, you know, building a business. What do you think the one thing for the future is that you would want to want to tell that person? You know what? Can I, I, I'm going to tell both those people out there. There's two types right now. There's the new guy starting out. And my advice to you is be as honest as you can, be straightforward, don't overpromise, and always deliver. And when you have to deliver at your own peril, suck it up and do it because it'll it'll make you a stand-up company and a stand-up guy in the long run, and you're going to get more work for that. Um, so be a professional, do the right thing. For those guys like me that are long in the tooth and been around a long time, that we have to constantly, if you're like me, you got to remind yourself to keep learning and keep changing with the times. I feel really terrible about the demise of the company that I got to learn hardwood floors from, which was Aldo Vigentic Hardwood Floors. They're not in business anymore. Aldo passed away about a year ago. His kids could have had a succession business and it didn't work because they never changed. They were still the same company that they were when I left them in 1986, five years ago, they were still running the same formula and, and the company just kept shrinking and shrinking. You phase yourself out of business when you don't change with the times. So looking forward, 
I think, you know, us older guys or your, your 15 year old companies and even older, take a look at what your today practice is and think if you need to make some changes and adjustments into tomorrow's world and you newer guys, don't be afraid to talk to some of the older guys and ask them what's up because they do know something and the good guys out there will always share, you know, um, that's what I've found in the NWFA. The mentoring is out there. The relationships are out there. And I love it when guys call me. And I still got some of the guys that have been in as long as me. And I ask them for advice. And so looking forward, let's keep changing with the times because they are times they are a changing. Is that how it goes? <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what. That's what I'm learning, Michael. And that's how I feel. Well, I think that's a that's a great that's a great point, and I think that's a great place for us to talk about uh, the NWFA uh, Hardwood Floors Magazine Now Conference, the digital event that's coming up November seventeenth, eighteenth, and nineteenth, where you can also do some networking with your peers there, and also hear from some of some of the guys who are maybe younger or older in the tooth that you can still learn from. Uh, you know, through some of the presentations that we're going to have, where we're specifically going to focus on post-election outlook for 2021 and what that looks like right now. So as we go into that planning phase, as you said at the beginning of the call, we really can't plan for next year until we get through the November elections and see where things are at and and then talk about where COVID is at and see where things are headed for 2021. So um, it is a short planning cycle, and we've got some really great speakers lined up to to talk us through 2021. And that exactly is called what? And what's the date? That's the Hardwood Floors Magazine Now event. Now stands for Networking, Outlook, and Workmanship. And we'll be presenting that again November 17th, 18th, and 19th. You can go to the hardwoodfloorsmag.com website or nwfa.org to register. And it's free. We are asking uh, for contributions to the Education Research Foundation since we didn't get a hold training this year. That'll help us hold training next year. Um, if you feel that the education value is is good and you want to contribute to our, our future uh, provi- provision of education, then we, we encourage you to do that. But we want everybody to participate, whether you're a member of NWFA or not. Um, the more people we have in the industry who come together to look at our future, the better off our future will be. So November 17th, 18th, and 19th? That's right. Right on. November 17th, 18th, and 19th, the NWFA Crystal Ball post-election, <laughs> a now event. <laughs> I look forward to it, man, and, and I'll be there, and I look forward to learning more. All right. Thanks, Chris. Have a great day. Hey, guys. Have a great day, and keep it real, man. Thanks for listening. <laughs>